friends, I'm Josef. This is episode 3 of Technotheology Podcast. Before we get started, I want to share a few dates with you. May 17, we will be hosting our second European Radical Theology Network event at the Black Box in Belfast, Northern Ireland. The Black Box is home to the annual Wake Festival, curated by Peter Rollins, and Wake will begin on the same day a bit later. If you want to see me before that, you could show up in Matthias Schirkan in Gothenburg on April 4th for a catacomb event. And if you want to plan ahead, on August 22nd, we'll be hosting an ERTN gathering with the catacomb community in Gothenburg. We'll be in Matthias Schirkan at that time as well. So I hope to see some of you in Sweden. That would be awesome. Anyway, in this episode, Barry and I start off talking about what we talked about in the past episode. The time is short. Barry talked about the time being short and so I asked him, why do you think the time is short? The reason the time is short, I mean, I, th- I think Figuratively, location, if, if you take that statement from, from, from Paul, is that the time is always short. I mean, that would be the, the very sort of simplistic way of sort of reading that through history. But I think in a given cultural context, and, and particularly ours, I, I, I'd say that the time is short now because a gap has opened up with the continuing implosion of all of these various structures and systems that have kind of held us loosely together. And I don't mean together in a sort of collective, unified way, but even if you, if you think about um, the, the transition in, in, in the world of politics in the last 20 or 30, 30 years, since the 90s, really, and then probably accelerated with the kind of financial collapses that happened in, in, in the early 2000s. But you, you what, so today you, you have this, this kind of strange netherworld that we live in, this netherworld of politics, where there actually is no political discourse anymore. There's just sloganeering on each side of the the continuum and a kind of yelling and a a demonizing uh, of the other side you know what i mean so the right's angry at the left the left's angry at the right uh we call fake news anything that we don't agree with and uh, so it's not a question of um fake being truthful anymore it's a matter of preference and choice and i think all these things point to the fact that that there's a a space a space there for uh, a different way of, uh, of of 
thinking and acting in, in these things, which again is I think something very much, and we talked about this, I think in the, in, in the first, in our first chat, um, um, you know, Shreko Horvath's idea of kind of transnational political parties and, and, or at least transnational politicians and things like that. I think that's a kind of example of, of how, how someone's trying to breach the shortened time that, that we live in. So that's, that's, that's kind of what I, I would say. And I, and, I, and I would say that that's happening in, in lots of areas, not just politics, but economics, you know, the collapse of confidence in capitalism, you know, and the increasing disappointment in the capitalist enterprise amongst everybody except the super rich for whom it's working really well. Thank you very much. You know what I mean? So I, I, I would sort of say that it's very much um, uh, the time is short because all of these fissures have opened up in the way we've structured our systems of um, holding our society together. Um, they haven't completely falling apart, but, but we live more and more with the illusion of things. You know, so I think Zizek talked a lot about you know, the, 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 we have the idea of democracy, not really democracy, you know what I mean? I think now we have the illusion of democracy. And uh... the left was saying, you know, uh, wait a minute, there will be crisis. We just should like Lenin in Switzerland or wait and prepare. Okay, then there was a crisis and what happened? Nothing. The left was not able to offer not even a minimal serious proposal. Democratic capitalism is in crisis, and we are slowly approaching an alternative. What is poetically called capitalism with Asian values, no? Which has nothing to do with Asia, but it's more authoritarian, man. And again, it's not just China, Singapore. It's Russia, it's Turkey, and even in places where democracy is still formally alive. It's becoming more and more irrelevant, as we see with this TIP and other commercial agreements, which are incredibly important. They set the frame for what government can do, but without any democratic consultation, they are half secret and so on. And, and so that's, I mean, that's what I would, that's how I would characterize, like, why I think it's uh, the why there are, there are all these gaps. I think there are false gaps in this as well, because when you have ideals like equality and you want to fight for those types of ideals, it seems to me as if what is important is positions within the old institutions. Yeah. So it's important with diversity in the universities and it's important with diversity in politics. Yeah. It has opened up in these spaces opportunities to actually get traction for for these ideals and it creates the illusion that we're doing something that changes the possibilities of shaping the future but i think it's an illusion because the truth is that the reason why these changes are happening is because power has moved away from those areas yeah. and so the true power of sort of folding or organizing the world of the future. It's not with the politicians. It's not with the university professors. It's not in the, in the churches or in the castles. The 
code of the future is written by the people shaping the algorithms that are controlling how the information flows. The question, I guess, is what ideals are controlling how these algorithms are shaped and how can we escape their control over us already? And so I think in that sense, time is short as well, because after a little while longer, perhaps the opening to actually affect how the world is folded is no longer there because it's going to be set and it's going to be the internet of things. You know, the internet's going to move into everything and we're going to be trapped by it and controlled by it and internalize it and change our behavior according to what they've coded. In that sense, the time is short. It's opened up an opportunity to rewrite the code of the world but it's going to close. Yeah, I've been reading this uh, fascinating book. Called, it's called Post Memes, uh, and the subtitle is Seizing the Memes of Production. So, you know, a play on, a play on Marx. And it, it's, a, it's a, a series of essays edited by these guys, um, Alfie Brown and, and Dan Bristow, who have written actually some, some pretty interesting books of, of, of their own. And they run this uh, web and they're on Twitter. Um, Everyday analysis is uh, a thing that they put up, and and the the book is essentially an examination of the way in which uh, the driving force in in uh, our culture and in algorithms are memes. And uh, so it, it's an exploration from a number of people that dissect media and digital culture on on uh, the implications of a world that's shaped by meme culture and how that's transformed the social landscape and continues to transform it in ways that are um, wilder than we even care to imagine, really. And it's a very thoughtful book, great, uh, great essays. I, I came across the book because uh, I really like um, Dominic Petman. Do you have you ever have you ever much of him, Dominic Petman? I don't think so. He teaches at the New School on, on media and culture. He has a great book um, after the orgy, which I, th- I think might have even been his dissertation. But uh, he's one of my favourite sort of uh, cultural theorists, and um, he does a lot of stuff essentially with sort of digital culture and stuff. And his uh, Twitter is hilarious. <laughs> so um, he. He's good with memes of his own, but um, it, it's kind of a fascinating uh, thing because it, it talks about um, basically the the semiotic fabric of the 21st century, which is, I think, what we're trying to get at with our whole idea of launching the European Radical Theology Network. We're trying to work out what, what the... Um, semiotic fabric is of the world that we find ourselves in 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 particularly um in in our various european contexts but but to really sort of not take for granted what we presume is the reality um but as, as you rightly say to to pay attention to even the false gaps and work out the deeper layer beneath beneath that you know, do you know that makes sense? Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I was thinking about the quote from uh, Walter Benjamin: "To articulate what is last does not mean to recognize 
how it really was. It means to take control of a memory as it flashes in a moment of danger. And I was thinking about that quote and and about the the world we're living in, what you're talking about, this new articulation, how the internet is is a surface that records yeah. and is sort of a memory of everything that happens. And you have this data that is stored and mined and used. Uh, I listened to the new New York Times podcast yesterday about how there's a new facial recognition app that the police uses in America, as, at least as a trial, and how they can find people just by using an image because they've scraped off every social media for images. And when you have this library, which is, which is essentially a big memory of everything that we've been doing online, it translates into a position of control, how we're controlled by the people controlling the data. Yeah. Not only the the people who are coding the algorithms, but also the data and how it's used and for what purposes, what ends. And in this this app they were talking about, they had some ideals. They didn't want to sell this to authoritarian regimes. They don't want to send, sell it to people who aren't democratic and so on. But if they can do it, of course someone else can do it. And I think that creates a task for let's say theologians because that's what we're that's that's what we're doing to be creative to move beyond this in a sense to trick the algorithms to move beyond whatever control we're under and that takes some real creativity to to not just be trapped and produce memes as a repetition of something rather than creating something new. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. In fact, it's interesting that you brought up the whole idea of articulation because one, one of the chapters actually that I read t- today is it, it, an essay called The Work of Articulation. And it, and it talks about um, the, way, the way things get articulated and then re-articulated by the particular mode of producing that articulation. So memes are, are modes of articulation and how they articulate things reframes. And, and there's a quote from um, Stuart Hall. Um, it's funny that I didn't even know we were going to talk about this. And I was like, this is a really interesting quote. Um, it, it, it's, um, it says, uh, so it's, uh, you know, Stuart Hall, the cultural theorist. Um, he, he said, um, different contradictions have different effects in the social world. And it's the tendency to reduce one to the other that is the theoretical problem. So, you know, there are contradictions in the world and they're not all the same and they all have to be addressed differently and singularly. So you can't just say, well, it's like this, so it must be like that with, it's like that with economics, so it must be the same with racism, you know, or whatever. Which, 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 which is something that happens all the time. People are so reductive in their understanding because they have one simple understanding about how to understand something, and then they repeat that in whatever area they're, they're in. Yeah, and he said that in the 80s. And I think actually the book that he got it from in the 80s was the one that he wrote in the 60s. So he said that. (laughs) At the end of it, he says this. He says, the mode of production does not command every contradiction. The mode of articulation can come to positively alter the contradictions if seized successfully. 
So what he sort of says was, you have to understand what the, the, the mode of articulation is. And if you understand that, uh, if you understand the role that that, mo that particular mode of articulation plays, then you can actually use it uh, to alter the, the contradiction that, that you're dealing with, you know? And, and again, in, in our kind of defining sentence about radical theology, you know, the European network, we, we sort of have talked about this deal with living with the contradictions. Um, but living with the, the contradictions doesn't necessitate just accepting the status quo. It also means, I think, being able to address and alter how the um, contradictions are both perceived, understood, and handled. Yeah, not be trapped by them and crippled by them. No, because there's there's a sense in which oh yeah you know there's no escape from the contradictions oh well so then I'm stuck, and I think that's precisely what 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 at least for me I I, I think one of the one of the contradictions the unaddressed contradictions in late twentieth and early twenty first century Christianity is the the surface. Um, monocultural perspective of Christianity. So everywhere you go, it's always the same. You know, everybody's singing Hillsong or whoever, you know what I mean? And, and no matter where you go in the world, they've got dry ice and smoke and, uh, and essentially kind of a very positive, you can change your life and achieve your dreams if you surrender to God type message. Don't want to be too dismissive but you know i think there's a, a case to be made but the contradiction is of course it's not the same everywhere it, it's different but um we 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 kind of accept this weird thing that that it's the same the same uh even in its difference the sameness you know is difference is is i don't know maybe i'm, I'm losing i'm losing my point there but I, no but i i think it, i think it's interesting and you know, talking so much about difference, you know, I need to bring up Deleuze, of course. There's this understanding, which is quite common, that difference depends on antagonisms, so that there is a fundamental antagonism that is required for us to see difference. But Deleuze's understanding is the opposite. Antagonisms depends on difference. So this schizo production of difference produces antagonisms. And so we're not trapped by them. We might be caught up in them, but we're not trapped by them. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, slightly tangentially, just to roll back a little bit, I, I was going to say a little a minute ago that th this whole notion of like articulation and, and articulating through the, the contradictions. I, I remember, you know, when I, when I first started teaching in the academic world, I, I was I was interested in theology and I was interested in in culture and and so my initial sort of foray into that academically was was through the artifacts of culture, you know, music or film or this or or that the 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 things that we produce. But then I sort of had to come to terms with the fact that that though that there's there's another level below that. <laughs> and the level below that are, are the the structures, the, the the semiotic systems that give birth to those things, and you sort of have to dig down underneath the top layer 
to get down to the contradictory and complex mechanisms that are shaping, you know, what gets uh, what gets brought to the surface, you know, aesthetically in the arts and stuff like that. And again, that's another point they bring up in in uh, one of the essays in this book about the the aesthetics of like meme culture. You know, the the kind of images that 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 people use, how images get get used and what their their role and 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 purpose is. And so when we talk about all this stuff, that our, our assumption, my assumption for for a long time was that, oh, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you have to come to the fact that you actually don't know what you're talking about because you haven't taken the time to sort of think about the the real modes of production that are going on, how things are being articulated, and what what's driving that articulation, you know. And I think um, technology, uh, which is half <laughs> the the title of, of our of our little chats um, on on techno theology, is is very much a, a, a central dynamic. However you however you pass out the word technology, there's always a, a, a technology driving. And in our case, it, it's digital technology. And if you go with this book, it would be meme technology, you know, meme culture. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a fascinating thing. And I think all of that points to, because I think that shift in the mode of, of our articulation and, and points out the the way in which we've we've subtly moved away and opened up this space and false spaces, but a space that contracts the time and says now's the time to sort of really look at this stuff and uh, act and consider. Um, how we might be different and do things differently, which I think is the theological part of the theological project, isn't it? Being different in the world. Thank you for listening. And a special thank you to Theologen, who's produced the music don't forget the dates April 4th in Gothenburg May 17th in Belfast and August 22nd in Gothenburg follow us on Twitter and Instagram and have a good day
Thank you.